Hey, this is Dave Ryder from Cullamunda Church of Christ. Really praying this podcast blesses you. If you'd like to hear more of our story, how about you go to our webpage, cullamunda.church. Well, good morning, church. Um, welcome to Church Online. And whether you're sitting in your living rooms or wherever you are, um, yeah, it's good to, um, to connect with you, even though we can't actually see you. Um, and I don't know what life is like at home, if it's anything like us. We've got kids running around, jumping on top of each other, fighting. But I really um, trust and pray that regardless of what life looks like for you right now, that the Holy Spirit would really speak to you today, encourage you and um, give you a word in season. So today I want to speak on um, a message that God um, put on my heart and I was meant to give it, um, I think the first week that we went into lockdown, I was meant to give this message. And now I'm giving it to you I'm behind a camera. But you know what? God's still the same God and he is not put out by walls and he's not put out by cameras and he's not put out by the fact that you're in the living room, that his word is still true and powerful and he wants to speak to you today. Well, it's incredible how much life has changed. As I said, I was due to be speaking at church and now I'm sitting on a stool speaking to a camera to you guys. Um, And just when you think you've got a handle on things, life changes again. And the way that we process change um, can vary from person to person. Some people thrive on change and other people really struggle with it. And for some, people have coped better than others. And I remember one particular day not that long ago, I had a really hard day. I'd been sick for quite a while with the flu and I was homeschooling all of a sudden, my nine and four-year-old, plus trying to look after my three-year-old while I managed the house and also work from home. While my husband Dave was at school, he's a school teacher, and he was doing extra long hours to try and make school go online. And it was just a crazy time. Um, The kids had been extra hard this particular day, and so I sent them out for an extra long recess break. They were outside on the trampoline, and I thought, I'll take this moment to fold up my washing um, before and gather my thoughts before they all come in and it starts all over again. Anyway, it was about a couple of minutes into washing, and my eldest nine-year-old comes running in, screaming, blood everywhere. Um, They had collided on the trampoline, his jaw had gone through my son's head and once we stopped the blood I could see that his tooth had gone through the top of his lip outside his mouth. And I thought, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I don't do very well with blood and I, um, yeah, anyway, I rang the doctors and they said, look, we can get you into the skin doctor, come up and we'll have a look at it. So I took all the kids up to the doctors and discovered that he required stitches. Um, So he laid down on the bed and they put a needle in him. Upon that point, I started to go all funny. As I said, I don't do well with blood, don't do well with surgery kind of stuff. And I started to go all clammy and I thought, I'm gonna faint. So I had to sit down, they all had to rush off and get more people to come and help. And that to get me water. And my two little kids, thankfully, were sitting quietly on the chair, fascinated by what was going on. Like Isaac was so brave. And I got home and um, it was just also overwhelming. And I took a moment to, um, at one point, to go into the bathroom. And I called my parents and my kids were all at me. So this time I locked the bathroom door. My three-year-old pounding on the door wants me to come and be with her. 
And I just needed a moment, so I just got wisdom from my parents, got things off my chest, but I really hit a wall. I'd hit the end of my rope. I felt like I could not do this anymore. But after a good chat with my parents, prayed with them, I was ready to face the world once more. Do you know sometimes we all hit obstacles? I know my story is probably quite mild compared to some of yours. But at times we all hit our limits and we need others, we, we need the help of others to help rip the roofs off our limitations. And that's where we find ourselves today. In Mark 2 verses 1 to 12, which is the story of the paralysed man that they put through the roof. One guy faced enormous barriers in reaching Jesus and in seeing his breakthrough. Yet he had four great friends that ripped through the roof to get him to Jesus. And so today I want to talk about ripping roofs for others. And I want to look at what barriers these men had to overcome and what it took for them to get through the barriers to find, um, to get their friend to Jesus and what it might look for us. So let's read from Mark chapter 2 verses 1 to 12. It reads, A few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there were no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. So Jesus had just arrived home from Galilee where he had healed the sick, he had driven out demons, and whether this was his home or whether it was someone else's, commentaries say it's probably Peter's home, regardless of whether he was, the people quickly found him. News travelled fast and people flocked to see what they would do, um, just as what had happened in Galilee. And so we get to verse 3, it says, Some men came bringing him to the paralysed Sorry, I'll start again. Some men came, bringing to him a paralysed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Put yourself in this scene. Put yourself in the scene as one of the crowd who'd come to hear Jesus. All of a sudden, there's a sound of digging, pulling off of branches and potential shouting. Not much more to go, fellas. We're nearly there. Dig a little bit more. And then the debris starts to fall upon your hair, upon the, full, uh, upon the floor, and there's dirt and there's mud. And what was once fairly dim is now completely bright as this hole appears above your head. And suddenly, there's a man being lowered down on a stretcher in front of Jesus. Now, in Jesus' days, houses were one room with a flat roof and often there was an external staircase that led up to the roof. And the roofs weren't like our roofs. There was wooden beams with little um, pieces of wood in between and on top of that, it would be covered by a thatch made up of twigs and mud and grass. And then on top of that, tiles would be placed and sometimes even grass in the spring would grow. And so to get through this roof, the men had to obviously dig through and move all these beams and pieces of wood and make a hole for their friend. Talk about a disruption to preaching. All eyes are now on Jesus. What will he do? But Jesus is not phased by this interruption at all. In fact, he improvises his message and he uses this man as a great teaching moment and displays the power of God. So we read on in verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralysed man, 
Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralysed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this before. So why did Jesus say your sins are forgiven when the man actually had come to get his legs healed? Some commentaries say that Jesus saw that it was actually the man's sin that was the cause of his paralysis. I don't necessarily believe this was the case, but it was certainly believed in Jesus' age that sickness and lameness, blindness, etc. was because of someone's sin. Now, if someone was born with this condition, they would say it was because of the parent's sin. Um, We see this a case in John 9, that people thought this. When Jesus healed a blind man, they said, well, whose sin was it, Jesus? And Jesus said, no, it wasn't anyone's sin. It was so the power of God could be displayed. And this is exactly the same here. God's power is displayed. But not only that, Jesus shows that actually he is the son of man, the son of God. Um, Worsby, in his commentary on this passage, says, forgiveness is the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performs. It meets the greatest need and it costs the greatest price and it brings the greatest blessing and the most lasting results. See, this man needed his legs healed and that was an amazing, but do you know the greatest miracle of this whole story is that his sins were forgiven. And it's the same with us, that God forgives our sins if we ask him to, but he also wants to heal us. And by forgiving this man's um, sins. He said he couldn't prove that he could do that, but by um, sorry, by healing this man, he proved that he could forgive this man, and thus proclaiming that he was the son of God. The crowd was absolutely astounded as they watched this man who once couldn't get through the crowd. He it was a barrier, but it was amazing that God turned this barrier actually into an opportunity of. Um, the display of his power because this same man that couldn't get through actually picked up his mat and walked through that crowd and it resulted in praise to God. You know, that's a powerful testimony. I think sometimes we gloss over it because we're so familiar with it. But there's so many truths in this passage that I believe God wants to encourage us today with. This man, he faced many obstacles and we too can face so many obstacles in seeing breakthrough and in seeing healing, um, whether for ourselves or whether it be um, for our friends in coming to Jesus. This man, he faced the crowd, which can represent a closed door, having a door slamming in your face. Um, You know, there was the obstacle of the roof. It was a limitation there. There was the obstacle of the scepticism of the Pharisees. There was a fear of what people might think, or what if I don't get healed? There was obviously the obstacle of his inability to walk. 
but yet he had four crazy, compassionate friends that weren't deterred by these obstacles, but pushed through and saw their friend um, have an amazing breakthrough and get healed. So what did it take to push through each barrier? Well, firstly, it took his friends. He couldn't do it alone. And there are times that we simply can't push through ourselves. It's too hard by ourselves and we need others. Just like at the start of my message, I talked about my own need for others to help me through this time. The Bible says that um, we have friends that can actually help carry us. Um, and I believe that these friends possess, possess three things. And um, there's probably more, but I wanna focus on three things today. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3, Now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And that's what I see these friends carried. And what I believe the Lord wants to impart in us today, that we too might rip roofs off for others so that they may um, meet Jesus and have the breakthrough that they really need. So let's look at the first one, faith. It says, and when the men came through the roof, it says that Jesus saw their faith. Now notice the word there. Alone the crippled man may not have had faith. Maybe he did, but he needed the faith of his friends as well. And there's plenty of times through the Bible that we see it wasn't necessarily the person who was sick or needy that actually had the faith. Think about Jairus. It was her dad. The centurion's faith saw his servant healed and a mother's plea to Jesus and her faith saw her daughter delivered of an evil spirit. And I remember for us when we went through that journey and I've shared before of um, not being able to have kids and really desperately wanting them and God had promised us that we would have more. I got to the point um, as I kept hitting obstacle after obstacle and doctor report after doc doctor's report that the unbelief was just simply too great and my faith began to weaken to the point that I just felt like I had no more faith. And I got so bad that I actually had to resign from pastoring for a few months and I couldn't preach anymore. I felt like I was such a hypocrite that I just didn't have faith and I couldn't get up and tell people, hey, have faith, if I simply didn't have faith. And it was in that time that I remember ringing my dad and I said, Dad, I just don't have faith anymore. And he said to me, Carla, you don't need to have faith. And I was like, what? Are you being a, um, a heretic? Like, of course you need faith. And he said, Kyla, you don't need faith because I've got faith for you. And if you would just send me all the words you've had and all the prophecies and all the promises, I will pray through them for you and I will carry you through this time. Essentially what he was saying is, I will rip the roof off for you in Jesus because I know that you don't have the strength anymore. And that was an incredible, powerful moment for me to know that there were others that were carrying me through this time. And I don't know what situation you face, but I want you to know that there are others that you can reach out to in this time that can actually pray with you and have faith for you and see the breakthrough on your behalf. The other thing that Jesus saw was he saw a faith that persevered. See, they didn't give up. Faith produced perseverance. 
And I feel in this season that the Lord would encourage us to run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, by fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So many times we give up because things get too hard and we become discouraged. Do you know the friends certainly could have. They faced the crowd and it seemed impossible to get through. And they could have been tempted to think, you know what, this is too hard. Obviously this is not God's will. A big door is closed for us. We might as well go home. But these men, they were determined to get this man to Jesus. And they weren't deterred by the obstacles and they were not going to go home without getting this man to Jesus. And so what seemed like a closed door gave way to another door. But it took faith for them to think outside the box. And I sense that for many, you may have experienced closed doors, that things have shut, that maybe you're out of work or maybe what you hoped for for this year has been shut in your face. But if you would trust God and if you would put your faith in him, see, faith is not having faith in faith. It's not working up our faith to a certain level so that God accepts us. It's actually, saying, it's actually having faith in God. It's actually looking to Jesus and saying, I trust you, I believe. And faith is actually a gift that he gives us. Sometimes we have a supernatural gift of faith and sometimes we receive a measure of faith where like Peter we say, I believe but help my unbelief. But I feel like though that even though that many doors have closed, that there's another door that God wants to open another door, not one that you necessarily would have expected, but nevertheless a door that leads to his goodness and his kindness. And like these men had to look up, they looked up and they saw a roof and even that looked like a closed door, but they saw past that. And I feel like if God would say to us today, if you would just look up, look to me, I will, like I provided that lamb, for Abraham and I provided Jesus for you, I will provide for you in this season. The other thing that Jesus saw when he saw their faith was he saw a faith that gave them courage, that overcame the fear of what others may think. He saw a faith that believed Jesus would heal their friend and he saw a faith that acted. See, faith without works is dead. But these men didn't say they just believed Jesus and then did nothing about it. They actually did something about, about it because they had faith. The second thing that these men, I believe, had was hope. They had hope that Jesus would heal their friend. Now, this is a close cousin of faith. And hope is what got them through and kept them going. So what's the difference between hope and faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 puts it this way. It says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and an assurance about what we do not see. Hope is based on what is seen, but faith is based on what is not seen. The Passion Translation says it like this. Now faith brings our hopes into reality. And hope is not just wishful thinking, like I really hope this, is, this will happen, but I'm actually not sure. Um, as Bill Johnson says, hope is a confident expectation of good because we serve a good God. And we can be confident because of what he's written in this word and because of what he's spoken to our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And when we face 
insurmountable bar barriers, or even in this season that we find ourselves in, a worldwide pa pandemic, we need hope. So how do we have hope in hopeless situations? Romans 15, 13 tells us, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Hope is found in believing God and it's found in the power of the Holy Spirit who gives us joy and peace and gives us hope so that we may abound, overflow, um, spill out with hope and that it touches the hearts of others. See, hope is contagious. And it was interesting that when I was writing this part of my message um, about just holding on to hope for this year, Dave, my husband, suddenly came in. He'd been doing a bit of cleaning and he found this calendar and he said, Kyla, where do you want this calendar? 2020, hold on to hope. And I had to smile because it's such the heart of the Father just to reaffirm his word that 2020, this is the year to hold on to hope. And recently I've been going for walks. Um, we've got a bush um, path outside um, the back of us. And all along this path, people have been drawing colourful rainbows and it's just the reminder, the rainbow is a reminder of the hope that we have, that this is just a season, but there's a rainbow on the other side of the storm and we have hope because we have Christ. And I just believe that the Lord wants to encourage you in hope this year. So we've all had our plans completely changed and derailed and things happened that we didn't expect and things completely shaken. And in November of last year, I, I was praying about this year and I felt God say, Kyla, this is going to be the year of surprise, of the unexpected. And I was really quite excited. I thought, wow, Lord, what surprises do you have for us? But I never imagined this. And I was like, Lord, this wasn't the surprise that I thought. This doesn't really seem like a good surprise. But I felt Lord, the Lord say, Kyla, I've even got surprises in this season for you and for my, my people that I've got treasures of darkness, riches stored in secret places, so that you know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by name. And I believe that the Lord wants to show you that, hey, he's got gems of goodness, that he's got deposits of blessing, um, of, of secrets stored in, um, sorry, of riches stored in secret places. So hold on to hope. Don't become discouraged. And may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace so that you overflow in hope to others. And finally, these men, they had love or compassion. The, the other thing um, that allowed them to rip off the roof for their friend was there's such deep compassion for their friend. See, in this age and time of Jesus, most disabled people were outcasts. And they certainly weren't respected. Yet these men had such love that they pushed all of that aside. And they didn't just say, oh, have you heard Jesus is in town? Why don't you go and get yourself healed? Or they carried him to the house and left him there saying, we've got you this far, you can do the rest. They literally carried him every step of the way, despite the setbacks, up the stairs, through the roof, literally laid him at Jesus' feet. And we too are called to carry one another. Galatians 6.2 says, to carry one another's burdens and in this way 
we fulfill the law of Christ, which is the law of love. And we do this in prayer and action. And when we have compassion, see Jesus was always moved by compassion. And that was why he moved in such um, power and miracles because it was the power of God that flowed through his love. See, the Bible says we can have all this power, prophecies and all this stuff, but if we have love, we have nothing. And in this season, I believe the Lord wants us to really love on people, to show compassion. See, compassion moves you. It actually literally means to have one's bowels moved. And when you have your bowels moved, you don't think about it, you just run. You run because you need to run. And compassion causes us to run. And it also gives way to courage. Perfect love casts out all fear. So today, I don't know if you identify as this crippled man that needs a breakthrough or healing, but you face many barriers. Or if you identify as one of the friends that carried this man and you too face barriers in getting people to Jesus. But can I encourage you that Jesus is here, that actually he is our way maker. He is our miracle worker. He is the one that breaks through the barriers and makes a way where there seems no way. He did it for the Israelites and he does it for you too. And so I believe that the Lord wants to inject hope, faith and love today. And if you need healing, I know that we're not able to lay hands on you, but it's the same God, it's the same Holy Spirit and it's the same power of Jesus that's in your room and is inside of you. And I really believe that the Lord wants to actually do miracles today, that he actually wants to make a way where there seems to be no way. And so we're going to end with the song Waymaker. And in this time, I would encourage you, pray for one another, lay hands on one another, and let's see what Jesus would do. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are the God of the impossible. I thank you, Father, that you make a way where there seems to be no way. And for those that need healing or a miracle right now or obstacles moved, would you do that in your name, Jesus? Holy Spirit, would you come and anoint people afresh? Would you fill them with hope and faith and love? And would you release your healing power that we might see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.